We invite you to turn with us to Luke chapter 1 this morning as we uh, dive into his word and into the story uh, that is leading up to Christmas. And it's a special story. It's a lot of different contexts this morning. Um, as we look at this, the way that, that Luke uh, is, has put this together, and in, just in this first chapter, there's a lot going on, and, and we're quickly caught up in two angelic birth announcements as we see the interaction of these two ladies who are on very different uh, parts of the age spectrum in their response to the angel's announcement. And the thing is, if, as we're reading this passage, or these passages, um, if we're not careful, it's very easy for us to get caught up in the stories and, and to read them through the lenses of, that, that, that focuses on the love of a good mother. And yes, we all understand the love of a good mother is a wonderful thing. It's, a, it's an absolute blessing. But if we read through that lens only, if, if that's how we, we see and in, in, in focus in on this scripture, then what we happen to do is we miss the miraculous things that go much deeper. And, because if, and if we do that, we reduce the love of the two you know, love to the just to, of these two mothers, Elizabeth and Mary. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because we would we'd be putting all of this love and understanding into a box that's reserved for biological connection. If we do that, then it's the miraculous ways in which actually this story subverts biology. I mean, is Elizabeth was, was too old to conceive or give birth. Mary, uh, it, she was a virgin and very young. But it, but it would even miss something more profound, even greater, in fact, that love, and I, as I said in the first service, I have to say it this, true love, love is not reserved to only those that have a biological connection. And it's not just about feeling, it's, it's not just about connection. Love has, has to do with faithfulness. And while faithfulness of a good mother is a blessing, our belovedness is not contingent on our faithfulness. Instead, it relies completely on the never-ending faithfulness of God. So as we begin this morning, you get wrapped up very quickly in in chapter 1 into the story with Zechariah and Elizabeth who are now part of an old tradition that that God has miraculously doing something new. That, you know, we we find this story wrapping up and and, and now all of a sudden, 26, we find that it's in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Six months have passed on very quickly in the midst of the story. And the reason that this is important for us to understand is in six months, Elizabeth is beginning to show quite well that she's pregnant. 
The blessing is very real to the outward observer. There's movement going on. The, the pregnancy is viable at, at this point. And, and so, so we read this, this message that this miracle of the conception of who we become to know as John the Baptist set the, sets the stage for another miraculous conception. And the narrative of Elizabeth's pregnancy echoes a long line of barren biblical women who, who end up bearing uh, the pivotal characters in, in the story of God's abounding faithfulness. We, we see this with Sarah, who conceives at an extremely old age. That we see this with Hannah, who who was not able to have a child, and she's praying fervently in, in the temple for God's blessing and, and promise of, of a child. And, and we see, as a result, Samuel dedicated as a Nazarite. When, so when Gabriel comes to Zechariah in verse 15 and tells him that John is, is to never drink wine, much like the Nazarite vow that one would commit themselves to and that Samuel was a part of, there becomes this underlying tone that you can't miss. And the, the original readers would not have missed that is going on in Luke's story, that God is working in unexpected ways uh, throughout the Old Testament to, to order and, and illustrate God's faithfulness to His children even when there are numerous examples that the children of God don't always reciprocate God's faithfulness. And it seems as if the story of John the Baptist's conception is, is, is to be an ending of that age of the old prophet because something new is coming. And so John's going to be like Elijah the prophet. He, he's going to bring back the people to God. He's going to announce and prepare the way for the Lord. But yet you have next Mary in this, this story, who is also part of this old tradition, but yet with a new twist. The announcement of Mary's pregnancy in many ways echoes all those Old Testament birth announcements, as well as echoing Elizabeth's pregnancy. I mean, there's an angel delivering a message. He's pronouncing, do not fear, do not be afraid as so many others have done before him. And a miraculous birth is going to happen. <coughs> and a special baby is going to be born. And yet, even in the midst of all this that's, that's kind of reverberating from past experiences, in the midst of all these echoes, it becomes clear that something here is different. Something's happening that we need to take notice. I mean, the other birth narratives, they happen to couples. This one's happening to Mary through the Holy Spirit. The other, the other birth narratives, while they acknowledge the work of God, they don't mention the Holy Spirit. And here it's a central thing. And while many other women have fervently prayed for God to give them a child, this birth is wholly unexpected and unplanned. The other women had husbands. While Mary is betrothed, she is not married. 
which puts her in a precarious position as she continues to live in her father's house. That, that if she becomes pregnant at this point, her, her fiancé has the right to have her stoned because she would be considered an adulteress. Or at the very least, he had the right to divorce her, which you know, would leave her at the mercy of her father. And yet, the angel here declares that, my, that Mary is highly favored. Have you ever wondered what that really meant? I mean, Mary is, seems to be an ordinary Jewish girl. She's about 12, 13 years old. She's going about her life. She's, she lives in a, what most people would understand, I mean, is a boring, sleepy little town of Nazareth, maybe about 300 people, most of them just craftsmen working stone and doing things like that. You know, it's this, this town that's not even mentioned in any of the ancient writings until this point. And yet, some scholars, they, you know, trying to figure it out, why she would be considered highly favored, Mary, well, they point to her name. So Mary, it's a very variation on the name Mary, Miriam, is evidence that she would be raised in a particularly devout Jewish community, but yet nothing really sets her apart for being what we would think extraordinary. And so when the angel declares that Mary is highly favored, it may raise questions, and yet, at the same time, you get a glimpse of Mary's faith. She doesn't hesitate in her obedience. She responds in faithfulness to what God has asked. And her declaration of obedience doesn't end in silence, but instead results in a powerful song that praises God and in in his abiding faithfulness throughout the ages. But the thing for us this morning, the amazing thing is that this declaration that Mary is highly favored and that God is with her is not just for her. This declaration is for the entire world. It's for us this morning. Emmanuel, God with us is being born into the world. We're reminded of the words that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so while Mary is this focal point of the story, the true message of faithfulness and love is that God is entering into the world. The world hasn't been forgotten. God is breaking in in new ways. And God is faithful to humanity because who he is, he is love. And one of the great miracles and messages of Christmas is that we are not forgotten. So God draws near to us out of great love. And regardless of, of our faithfulness to God, God remains faithful to us. As God breaks into this world in a new, unusual way by becoming a baby, born of a virgin, we need to understand it's not too outlandish for us to expect that God would continue to enter into the world in unexpected ways. Not only that, but 
a new family is being formed. We, we, as we see later in Jesus' teaching, he's, he's ushering in a new understanding of family. And up to this point, if you know, the family of God, the children of God, are based on ancestral lineage. It, it's based on bloodline. Which family and clan are you a part of, of the twelve, and which tribe, and, and all these things that have been going on up to this point. But we see here that Mary wasn't a descendant of a priestly lineage, nor does she bear the traditional markings of Judaism that men would bear. Family is usually based on biology, and yet Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the key component of this new understanding of what family is. God's love is for the entire world. So God weaves together a new family born not just by family line, but more importantly, born of the Holy Spirit. And this new thing is beginning uh, the moment that Jesus' conception is, is announced by the angel. The amazing news for us this morning is the declaration that no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter where we are at this moment, we are loved by God and invited to be a part of this special family, this new family, because God has broken to the world and he's doing new and unusual things out of love for us because God desires to have a relationship with us. And the reality of it all is that God is faithful to us even when we aren't faithful to God. And God imagines more for us than we could ever imagine for ourselves. And so God is beginning to do something new that might be made, that we might be made new simply because he loves us. And the thing about it all is that while this concept of God's love is, is a simple one, we, we've been teaching it to kids forever of Jesus loves me this I know we we teach them the song as as early as we can and and we sing it to them when they're in the crib and this it's the simple thing but yet it's so easy for us to lose focus on it it's it's so easy for it to get lost in the midst of the burdens and busyness of our world so we need to be reminded that God's desire for us is that we would be made new because God loves us. So God became Emmanuel. God with us. To be present with us whenever and wherever we are. The, the true miracle and true hope here is not about the opening of wombs. It's about the presence and nearness of God. That God loves us and he chooses to walk with us where we are even in the midst of heartache, and he draws near to us and he dwells among us in the midst of all the good, the bad, and the in-between. That no matter what the desires of our hearts are, no matter our abilities, no matter where we came from or what we're, we've done or what we are doing, we remain the beloved children of God. And this message of God with us is one that rings throughout the season of Advent that we've been celebrating. As we enter into Christmas, it's, it's 
we understand that God with us is this bridge of hope that we are not alone. That God is with us is, is a peace and the confidence that God is with us through the circumstances. It's, it's joy in the knowledge that we are loved. It's, it's we're loved beyond measure. Not because of who we are or what we've done, but just simply because God is who He is. And our part in all of this is that God now is with us and He sends us to others that we may experience this new family. That we may not just experience ourselves, but that we would bring others into the family. That we each carry the promise of God's presence into the world and to share the good news so that they can understand that they are loved by God. And so as the beloved of God, we're invited to participate with Christ in the world in order to share the message that everybody that we encounter is loved beyond understanding. So much like Mary, we're called to the same level of discipleship. That we would obediently follow after God and that we would do hard things. We're called to bear the message of Christ in the world, that we would reveal God's love to all humanity, even if they don't realize that they are loved. We're all surrounded by people that need to hear that message. They need to hear and experience the message that not only does God love them, but he's also with them. We're called to sing words of defiant hope in the same way that Mary did. And our obedience leads to this sharing of this message of love and truth. But it doesn't end there. This new family that we belong to is the very inbreaking of the kingdom of God. Coming to earth as it is in heaven. That we get to participate in this. And again we go back to the old song that we've been singing since we were toddlers. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible told me so. But within that simple truth is something extremely deep and profound. There's an abiding and radical love that forms us into a new family. You and I are brothers. You may be my sister in Christ as well. That God forms us into this family and we get to be a part of an exciting story that has been going on for years and years. That, that we are the beloved of God, not only us, but because we know that God loved and still loves the world, we get to be part of what Jesus has done and continues to do in the world. To be present with us in our joys and triumphs and also with our pain and sorrow. To, for God to love us in the midst of the ups and downs of life, we get to celebrate that. He is faithful. He is love. He is worthy of everything that we come to and within our lives. So celebrate this morning. Celebrate this week that God is with us. The Holy Spirit is still in the business of breathing life into unexpected places. 
The kingdom is still breaking in on earth as it is in heaven. And God is still choosing to use us to carry the message, to be bearers of Christ in the world, to bring hope and peace and joy and love with us wherever we go, that the world might know how loved they are and to join in this beautiful new family that is being united through the Holy Spirit. And so as the band comes, I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you. And this thank you is, it's so easy sometimes to say, but sometimes it's extremely difficult to grasp. And when we were at our most unlovable state, you continued to love us. Whether we, we fully grasp it or not doesn't change the fact of your love for us, your sacrifice for us, and your provision for us, that you continue to be with us and to issue into a new understanding of who you are as, and who we are as family of God. And so as we sing this morning, may we celebrate your faithfulness. In your name we pray. Cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears They laid him down in Joseph's tomb The entrance sealed by heavy stone Messiah still and all alone We will sing your praise. 
Bring Christ into your home this week, tomorrow. Bring it into somebody else's home. Hope's born. See you guys next week.